Good morning. If you were here last week, you know that I launched a brand new series. We are looking together at the 23rd Psalm. And I, I, want, I want to read it with you. You can follow it up here on the screen. I think we have it. 23rd Psalm, God is my shepherd. I don't need a thing. This was written by David. David grew up as a little boy watching shepherds lead sheep. Then David became a shepherd. And for years and years and years, David became unbelievably intimate with the job of being a shepherd. And then, then we know later on, David slays Goliath. And then later on, David becomes king. And David conquers so many of Israel's enemies. And David writes this passage with all of that in his background. As a shepherd, David ripped apart wild animals protecting sheep. He says this, God is my shepherd, I don't need a thing. I'm reading, as a matter of fact, this is the NIV. Let me read the NIV because I don't want to confuse you here. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And your rod and your staff, we're going to talk about that later in the series. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord is my shepherd, David said. If you were here last week, God is good all the time. Man, your memory is seven days and you came back with that. God is good and all the time. God is good. I'm telling you. And if you don't understand that, if, if, you, know, if you and I don't really wrap our mind around that, and if we don't really have a realization as to how good God really is. And I want to talk about that this morning. And this, this series, this 23rd Psalm is going to allow us in, in every way to do that. But if you, don't, if, you, if, if you don't recognize how good God is and develop a solid base of understanding that in your life, then you are set up for problems in life that were never intended for you to have. And in the 23rd Psalm, there are nine different areas that God takes us to a place and he warns us. This, this is the antidote for all of those nine areas. And today I want to talk about one of them, actually, from the 23rd Psalm. We're going to talk about worry. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. So often... One of those areas that we drip into that the 23rd Psalm talks about is worrying. And, and I want to dig in on this. But foundationally, there are three truths that I want to launch with. I want to talk right away about these right up front. These are, these are three truths. These are facts that you and I need to understand and wrap our lives around. The first one is God has everything I need. God has everything I need. You know what that means? That means I don't have to look anywhere else. Are you, are you looking for the person in your life? Are you waiting for God to bring your spouse into your life? 
The, the, place, the place to be looking for that and to be talking about that is with God himself and trusting him to bring that person into your life. And so when he does it, then when it happens, you'll, you'll recognize it in the area of finances. Are we trusting him in that area of our lives? In our close relationships, are we trusting in him? See, if, if what you're trusting in is Wall Street, or if what you're trusting in is the government, or if your trust even is in your spouse, or your IRA, or your social security, or even your job. You see, if, if, if we put our trust in something that can be taken away from us, then we are never going to be really secure. But if we put our trust and our security in something that can never be taken from us, then we will always be secure. The Lord is my shepherd. When the Lord is my shepherd, I, when I'm following him, I lack nothing, David said. God is the source of everything. You can lose your health. You can lose your job. You can lose your good looks. Some of you already have. You can lose your family, but nobody can take your relationship with God away from you. Nobody can do it. The Lord is my shepherd. The 23rd Psalm verse 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. It'll be your security in every area of your life. So what's a shepherd? Shepherds are people who lead sheep. It's really that simple. People who lead sheep. So sheep, sheep are a unique animal. Sheep are, are defenseless. They don't have claws that they could win a battle with another animal. They don't have the kind of teeth that would be necessary to win a fight with another animal. They're not necessarily smart. I find that one interesting. And, and if they were left to themselves, they would fall off a cliff. They would get lost. They would probably get eaten by another animal. And David, after being a shepherd for years and years, and goes through this, whole, this process in life where he's now in a place where, where, where that God has, has, has taken him to, he sits down and he writes, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm a sheep. He's my shepherd. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd leads. A shepherd feeds. A shepherd meets the needs. Moms and dads, you're just like shepherds. You meet your kids' needs. You feed your kids. You lead your kids. If you don't, CPS is probably going to come knocking at your door. But as moms and dads, that's what we do. And David says, the Lord is my shepherd. When you look that word up in the Greek, it actually means a pastor. Pastors are shepherds. The second truth that we, we need to fully understand is that there is nothing that he cannot supply. There's nothing that God cannot supply. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 says, God will supply all. All you'll ever need 
from his glorious resources in Christ. God has everything you need. He will, there, he will, there will never be something that we need that he cannot supply. And I'm going to talk more about this a little bit later on. The third thing is God does not want us to worry. He doesn't want us to ever worry. And the Bible actually calls worrying a sin. As a matter of fact, Bible scholars tell us that it is the most committed sin on the planet. We worry. And he tells us, don't worry about anything. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. You got two choices, worry or pray. So you can worry or you can worship. When you invite worship in the front door, worry just weasels its way out the back door. But when you invite worry in the front door, worship drifts right out the back door. Those are our options. And, and, and God encourages us. He says, don't worry about anything. I'm telling you, David's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. So David gives us this passage of scripture. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, was in the, in, the, in the version that I learned it in. I lack nothing. Thousands of years later, Jesus is on the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is preaching the longest message ever recorded. Some of you think that some of my messages on Sunday, that, that they would qualify for that. No, no, no. Now, this is the longest message ever recorded. Some Bible scholars tell us it wasn't hours, it was days. You wouldn't put up with that with me or anybody else. Days Jesus talked. And you know what? He, he comes to a place in his message on the Sermon on the Mount, and, he's, and, and he jumps onto this subject. He takes David's passage of Scripture, which he knows they know all about, and he brings it to a whole new light, and he steps right into it. And Jesus tells us, worrying does not make sense. It doesn't make any sense to worry, he said. It's unreasonable. It's illogical. It's irrational. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus says, don't worry about your life. About what you'll eat or your drink. Don't worry about your body or what you wear. Your life is far more important than clothes. Now, he doesn't say you don't have to wear clothes. He says your life is far more important than clothes. But us, we, we have our nice jeans. But, but then there's this whole new wave coming in when we have to have Cuts at the knees in our jeans. Uh, otherwise, you can't sing on the worship team. Probably unless you have cuts in your jeans. <laughs> Don't worry about, about. He says your life is far more important than clothes, and we're kind of stuck with the mentality. Sometimes it's it's clothes that make a man, and that's just that, that's just nowhere near truth, is what he's saying. And we typically here's what we do. We typically. He says, don't worry at all, right? If you're going to worry, now, granted, he says don't worry at all, but if you're going to worry, at least worry about things that are important, right? 
I mean, worry about where you're going to be in 10 years, right? Worry about, am I going to be in heaven or am I not? Or, or am, am I going to find, marry the right person? Or, worry about that. But we don't even do that. We worry about little, simple stuff. Statistics tell us that 85%, and 85 is almost 90, in case you're not good at math. 85% is, 85% of us, we worry about 85% of the things that we worry about never come to pass. So we worry, when we worry, about almost 90% of the things that we worry about never even happen. And yet we still get caught up in this. And not only, we, we worry about little things. We worry about things that five minutes from now won't even be an issue. We, we worry about all kinds of stuff. And then the reality is worrying doesn't change anything. We, listen, when we stop and think about this, we know that. But we still find ourselves in a place where we worry. Even though we know it doesn't change anything. If you can change something, change it. If you can't, you can't. But don't worry about it. And, and Jesus kind of draws this out and he, he lays it in front of this crowd. And we think that if we worry about something, it's actually going to do something. Like you're worried because you're worried that your kids are going to come in late. And, and you think if you worry, they're not going to come in late. They're coming in late. Your worrying has no effect on it at all. And Jesus says, this is irrational. And you ever notice this about worrying? When you start worrying about something, the problem actually gets bigger. It doesn't get smaller, it gets bigger. You could be talking to somebody and then just in the, in the, in the conversation, they'll say something and, and, and you, you hear it in a certain way and you come out of that conversation and, and your next thought is, maybe my nose is a little bit bigger than most people's nose. <laughs> and, and you go to the mirror and you start looking at your nose. And, and, and the more time goes by, you think about this more and more. And, be, and before you know it, you're on the internet trying to find out what it would cost to have a nose job. And the person who made the comment has already forgotten about the comment. They never even intended it to go the direction that you took it. And we do this kind of stuff in life. And Jesus says, worrying doesn't make sense. And then he goes on to say, not only doesn't it make sense, it's not natural. It's not natural to worry. That's what, that's what Jesus tells us. And some of us feel like that's just, our, that's, just, that's just where we go. He says only humans worry. And he never intended for humans to do that. Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. This isn't in your notes and, and they, they don't have, See, I, I, when I put the notes together, this is one that I saw afterwards. So I went further back and read even more. Look, look at Matthew 6, 26, and he says this, and this is Jesus talking in, in this huge sermon. He says, look at the birds. They don't worry about what to eat. They don't need to sow or reap or store up food for your heavenly Father. Remember that phrase, your heavenly Father. I want you to remember that. Feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than them. 
And elsewhere in our Bible, it says, when a sparrow, when a bird falls to the ground, he knows about it. There's nothing he doesn't know. He knows about it. The Bible says the very hairs on your head are numbered, every one of them. Every day, every hour, every minute. He knows how many you left in the sink this morning. He knows that number all the time about everybody. And that's only one little detail. He knows your DNA. He put your DNA together. We're still trying to figure that out. Your heavenly father feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him, thanks, than they are. Verse 28, and why worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies of the field. See, Jesus is giving us a lesson here in nature. He, he's saying, listen, nature, I, I created nature. It is flat out drop dead gorgeous. And you are far more important than that, he says. Look at the lilies of the field. They don't worry about theirs. Yet King Solomon in all his glory was not clothed as beautifully as they are. And nothing else in nature worships God. And nothing in nature worries. Jesus is pointing this out. And some of, some of you would come to me and you'd say, you know what, I was born a worrier. I, I, I was born a worrier. And my response to you is, no, you weren't. You learned it. And you probably learned it from somebody very close to you. Your mother. Your dad. Not your spouse. Because you already had that down when you found your spouse. You know what? Anything that you learn can be unlearned. And God is interested in doing that in your life and in my life. But some of us are pros at this. We, we are so good at worrying. And we have our, our, our things in our areas that, that, we, that we just embrace worrying. See, in verse 26, that verse that I read to you, it says, your father sees the birds. Listen to that. Your father sees the birds. He doesn't say, the bird's father sees them, doesn't say that. He says, your heavenly father, your, he makes a distinction between all of creation and you and me. He says, you're, you're at a whole different place. You were created, we were all, he, the birds of the field were created. He, he created the animals. He created the, the he created wildlife. He created the flowers. He created everything. And the Bible says it was good. And he did all of that. And then he created you. And then he created me. And it was a whole different ball game. Cows don't worship. They don't walk up to a bale of hay and stop and pray for the bale of hay and then start eating hay. Dogs don't worship. We worship. But we also step into worry. The third thing Jesus says is worry doesn't help. 
it doesn't help at all. And, and look how he says that. In, in Matthew chapter, chapter 6, verse 27, which is between the, the verses that I already talked about, he says, who of you by worrying can add one single hour to his life? Statistics tell us that if we worry, statistically, we probably will be shortening our life, not lengthening our life. And Jesus draws attention to that. By worrying, who of you? In other words, none of you. In other words, it virtually is impossible, no matter how much you worry, to make it any better. He says, worry is worthless. Because worry is investing a lot of emotional energy into something that isn't going to produce anything good at all. And it will change things. It will make your life more miserable. That's the only thing it'll do. Follow logic with me here. In the past, if you're worried about something in the past, you can't go back and change that. You just can't do anything about it. So why worry about it? In the future, if you're looking ahead to the future, you're not in the future, but you're looking. So you, if you worry about the future, you're not doing anything even though you think you are. So what does worry do? You know what it does? It steals today. It reaches into today and it takes something from you. Jesus understood this. That's why he dug his heels in on this long message. He dug into this, this, this thing about worry. If I'm really going to be your shepherd, if I'm really going to be your shepherd, you can't do that. Proverbs 12, 25 says, worry weighs us down. That's what it does. Solomon, the wisest man in the world, worry weighs us down. God says your body was not designed for worry. I didn't design you for that. As a matter of fact, if you worry, you're going to have some, some, it shows itself up differently with different people. And I won't go through all of them because some of them are pretty ugly. But, but, but it shows itself up in headaches. It shows itself up in stomach issues. We can be fatigued from worrying. We have this phrase, oh, I am just worried sick. Yeah, you are. He tells you not to do that. And it's kind of difficult for us to not do that. And it doesn't come from work. See, you can work a long, hard day and come home and you're tired. Or you can work a long, hard day and you can worry along with that all day long. And when you come home, you are going to be dead drop fatigued because worry is the issue. It's not work that's the issue. When I was a kid and I needed something, I'd go to my dad. Dad, I need socks. Dad, I need shoes. I didn't worry about where he got the money to get my socks and shoes. That was his worry. And that's what our shepherd with us is like. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. 
When we worry, here's the deal. When you and I worry, we are assuming responsibility that God never intended for us. And that's why Jesus said, don't worry about anything. But when we do that, we're assuming responsibility he never intended for us to have. When your thinking and my thinking goes to the place where we're thinking God is not going to take care of me, or we're thinking God really doesn't love me that much, or God really isn't a good God, may I remind you, and you believe this, because you wouldn't be here if you didn't believe it. May I remind you that Jesus died on a cross to solve your biggest problem. He died on a cross to pay the price for your sins so that someday you could be with him forever in heaven. Don't you think that him dying on the cross and solving your biggest problem would also be a clear indicator that he can take care of everything else that you want to bring to him. Guys, this Bible has over 3,000 promises talking about how God wants to meet your needs and my needs and how he will meet your needs and my over 3,000 promises in here specifically directed at that. Then there's the worst kind of worry. This one cracks me up. There's the worry that things are going so good, I, I, I just wonder when the next shoe's going to drop. Things, things have been going so good for me Something's got to happen. They, they can't just keep getting good. So, something bad has to happen. That's like the book of Job. The, the book of Job is all, all about that. And this is a whole other range of worry. Things are just too good. So how do I trust Jesus? Let's, let's put, a, put practical legs on this. And let's look at the things that he asks us to do because he lays it out. And he gives us the first thing is, is follow the shepherd daily. Follow our shepherd daily. Daily. Do you know why? Because he will lead and he will feed and he will meet our needs. And if he does that, he'll help us succeed. And if he does that, he'll, he'll forgive us of our misdeeds because he's the good shepherd. It is what he does. And, and he lays it out in intensity, Jesus does, and the Sermon on the Mount. And he covers all the areas, areas that David raises in the 23rd Psalm. You start your day, Lord, you go to your, your good shepherd. Lord, you know I have this meeting today. I, I need your help in this meeting. I, I, I need to be able to to communicate what I need to communicate and, and they need to hear what I need to communicate. Or maybe you got a parent-teacher conference coming up and, and, and you don't want to hear what, what this teacher is going to say about your darling little child. Lord, Lord, help me in my parent-teacher's 
me. Help me, help me, Lord, to, to be honest and open and willing to hear. And invite the shepherd in into every area of our lives daily. Do you know why? Because even if you have a big decision, Lord, Lord, I, I need your help here. James says if you, not this James, other James, Jesus' brother, the guy who grew up with Jesus and who died, went to his death believing that Jesus was his Lord and Savior. James says so clearly. In this passage, how would Jesus do it? How, am I, how do I trust him more? How do I practically do that? By following the shepherd daily. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd in John 10, 14. I am the good shepherd. I'm it. I'm here. I promise to. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And they know me. He doesn't say, I know all about my sheep. He says, I know my sheep. And they know me. How do you and I get to know him? We spend time in his word and we spend time talking with him. You got to know your wife that way. You got to know your husband that way. And actually, in those scenarios, you found out some things that weren't everything that you said. That's not going to be the case with Jesus. He is perfect. He knows everything. He is all-powerful, and he wants to be our shepherd. I know my sheep, and they know me. Clarity here. How much do I care about them? I lay down my life for my sheep. You will never be secure until you place your security in something that can never be taken away. Amen. He loves you enough. He laid down his, he, he loved you enough to die for you. He loves you enough to lead you, to feed you, and to meet your needs. The second thing is give him first place in my life. In other words, give him all the rooms in the house of my life, not just the living room. Not just, okay, okay, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. Thanks for heaven. It goes beyond that. Give him all the rooms in your life. Look what he, look what he says, in, and Jesus said, continues on, and he says this in chapter 6, verse 32. He says, your heavenly Father already knows perfectly well what you need. You will never hear God say, oops. Matter of fact, you don't ever want to hear your surgeon say, oops. But you'll never hear God say, oops. You'll never hear God say, well, I didn't know that. And you'll never hear God say, boy, I didn't see that one coming. There's nothing he doesn't know. Your heavenly Father knows perfectly well what you need. Jesus is talking about his heavenly Father. 
who is now your heavenly father. And he will give you what you need. Circle the next word, if. <laughs> if. If you give him first place in your life and live as he wants you to live. If you give him first place in your life and live as he wants you to live. What does that mean? That simply means you follow him as your shepherd. Anytime you worry, this should be, we drive our cars and all of a sudden a light turns red on the instrument panel. And sometimes a buzzer goes off and it's, it's the oil low or the, the brakes are not working or, or, or the temperature's too high. But, but we see that indicator light and immediately we're alarmed. That's what worrying should be to us. Whenever we recognize that we're worrying in any given area of our lives, we should recognize that as an area that we have not allowed him to be first place in our lives. Because worry is a warning sign. It's an indicator that whatever area we're worried about, we haven't given it to him. We're, we're, we're carrying it ourselves. I got to tell you, if, if you park your Ferrari out at, at the end of the parking lot. If I put my Ferrari out to the end of the parking lot and I, and I get out and I reach in the back seat and I grab four orange cones and I put them on all four corners of my Ferrari, I got a problem. See, I never worry about getting scratches or dents on my Ferrari because I don't have a Ferrari. <laughs> I don't worry about barnacles growing on the bottom of my yacht because I don't have a yacht. We had a boat for 15 years, and, and, and I've heard for years that the two best days that you have when you have a boat are the day you bought it and the day you sold it, and that's true. We had a lot of days in the middle that we loved and enjoyed our boat, but the best day was when we bought it, and the second best day was when we sold it because I didn't have those headaches anymore, and we get so focused. So, see, see. We worry mostly about money. If we're poor, we're worried because we don't have enough. And if we were billionaires, we'd be worried about how we're going to protect it and keep it. And Jesus says, don't, don't live like that. Don't worry like that. The last thing is give him all your worries. Give it to him in prayer. And then look what he tells you to do. Relax. Give him all your worries in prayer and relax. You know what we do with our worries? I'll tell you what we do with our worries. We take our worries and we lift up the carpet and we sweep them under the carpet. And we do that over and over again. And then we get puzzled when we're walking across the, the room of life and we keep tripping over the same hump in the carpet. Don't do that, he says. Look what he says in Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God about all your needs and thank him for all he's done for you. If you do these things, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. The Bible refers this as the peace that passes all understanding. 
I experienced this peace, and I've shared about it a number of times. When the doctor stepped in front of me and gave me two options for our daughter Tiffany, both of them were horrible, and he said it would probably be both. And my response was instant. It, and I, I can't even take credit for it, but it was instant. And I, I said nothing, but in my mind, I said to my God, I, I need you now more than I ever have before. And this sucker showed up. This peace that passes all understanding. When they tell you that you have cancer and your response is, I, I'm okay. I'm okay. You lost your job, you know, for some reason. I'm, I'm okay. I'm fine. This peace. It, see, that's security. The Lord is my shepherd. He meets all my needs. Listen, your life is like an hourglass. My life is like an hourglass. We start out with all this sand on top. And one grain at a time, it drops through that spot. That's today. That spot is today. You were never designed to have a bunch of grains of sand go through at any point. You were designed so it would be one day at a time, one grain of sand at a time. He says, don't worry about this and don't worry about this. Enjoy this and don't worry. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. I, I put it in the Message Bible. Give your entire, this is Jesus. This is the same conversation. He says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Here's what I know about God. He will always do the right thing at the right time. He is God. He is our shepherd. Stand with me together. Let's sing together. Listen, if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, you can, you can do it right there. You don't even need to come forward, although I would encourage you to come forward. Pray with our team. They'll be up here after the service. But accepting him as your Savior simply means you recognize that Jesus is who he said he was. He's the son of God. He came here. He gave his life. He let them nail him to a cross. He died. They put him in a grave. He rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven and he is your savior. And he did it for you. Not, not for us as a group of people. He did it for you as an individual. Father, thank you so much this morning. Lord, bless our time together. As we close in this song, as we worship you, and for those this morning who accept you as their personal Savior. And Lord, I pray, even our celebration time after the service, as we baptize those who followed you and accepted you as their Savior, making a public proclamation <laughs> that you are their Savior. And we celebrate with them. Bless this day. In your name we pray. Amen.